Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. The Ops Analytica platform is the premier operations management software suite available today. If you care about running great operations, if you care about empowering your employees and giving them all the tools they need to be successful, if you care about having consistent experiences from location to location, if you care about customer satisfaction, if you care about empowering your above store leaders with actual tools that they can use to to help manage their patches, if you care about winning, if you care about beating the competition, about if you care about being the best, then the Ops Analytica platform is for you. We are going to help you run the most consistent operations you've ever seen. We're going to empower not just ops and QA, but every department at corporate to make their job easier and to make it easier for the location teams. If you are just tired of making people upset over the dumb little things that you can control, we're going to bubble that information up to you, those reoccurring issues, so you can squash them. If you care about being the best and you want to win, then I suggest you check us out at opsanalytica.com and get a demo. We can change your world. Hey there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. We are back here with Tommy, and I've got a special guest today. Uh, by the, Mr. Please welcome Mr. Richard Bexton from Namu Travel to the podcast, everybody. Yay! Yay. So, <laughs> so Richard's joining us all the way from Costa Rica today, which is awesome. And uh, so, Richard, just so you know, with the podcast, I always ask everybody pretty much the same five questions. Yep. And, uh, you know, we just have a great conversation here today and, and you can tell us, uh, you know, about your business and what you're doing. So let's just get started. Uh, the first question is, is explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry to where you cool. landed now. How much time we got, Tommy? No, I'm, I'm joking. I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> Uh, I've been, I've been, well, I mean, I'm the chief operating officer for the Namu Travel Group. Um, so we're a luxury uh, online travel agency that custom designs luxury vacations everywhere from Belize all the way to Colombia. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm here in Costa Rica. Costa Rica is our, is our biggest destination. Um, again, we deal in luxury custom designed vacations. So people in the States will find us online or via referral, speak to us, and then we'll, they'll speak to a consultant that typically lives here in Costa Rica and then designs vacations. So my job is to basically make sure that we make money and that clients are happy in a nutshell. Um, easier said than said than done, of course. But uh, I moved to Costa Rica. I met my wife in Minnesota, uh, which is a completely different story. That's why I said how much time you've got. She was from Costa Rica. I was from <laughs> London. From London. Um, I came down here, loved it, moved here full time in 2005, took a sales job actually for a company called Costa Rican Vacations, um, which is actually a brand of the Namu Travel Group. But back then we were very small, maybe 15 people, um, you know, maybe seven people in sales. I, after like two months, became their top sales guy. I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, so either they were not very good or I was very good. So I like to think the latter. But, um, but yeah, anyway, that's just feeding my ego. Uh, and um, after a couple of months, I went to one of the owners, the founders, Casey, uh, who's now my business partner, and asked him to buy a franchise of the company and take it to Europe to basically do the same thing that they were doing in North America to do it in Europe. Uh, he said it wouldn't work, so I asked him to sign a contract for two years that the franchise were for free. He did so, uh, and it may be one of the worst mistakes he ever made, or maybe the best. Um, 
basically within like one and a half years, I was 25% of their sales. I had my own team. I was really focusing on sales and marketing. Um, so back then, you know, SEO was pretty new. Um, and also, so, so that, you know, I, I was very successful, had my own team. Uh, and one day they came to me and said, Hey, Rich, we'd like to buy your company. Would you like to become part of, um, the, the bigger company? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I think I was 20, 24 at the time. So I was pretty young. Um, and, and yeah, so joined them, took over their sales department, um, became the sales manager, you know, it was kind of trial by fire, uh, and we grew, um, and, you know, just, I mean, now pre COVID, we were at about 50 salespeople, about 120 people. Um, now we have about 20, we have 24 salespeople. We're actually about to train six more next week and we're at about 60 people in total. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're growing. Um, but like, again, it's just been a natural progression in the business from sales to then kind of sales and marketing and then to the operation of the business, then also finance. Um, so again, as I mentioned, I just make sure we make money and that clients are happy. So pretty much you've always worked for, I mean, you were 24, so I had a couple of jobs before that, but really your, your whole career has been spent really selling Costa Rican and sort of Central American vacations. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds weird because now in, nowadays people jump, you know, from kind of job to job, but I mean, it's when it's your own, when you, it's your own business and you treat it like your own business, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a different feeling and commitment that you have to it. So, um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it really has been my only job. I mean, I've consulted to a bunch of other businesses. Um, I'm very lucky that my business partners are great people with quite a bit of experience as well. Um, but for a lot of them, it's only been their job as well. But I mean, we are, we're a sales and marketing company, Tommy. We just happen to be in travel. I mean, we could be selling insurance or whatever, but our process that we've created, not to make it all boring, um, you know, where we have, you know, where we have a data lake that's pulling in tons of data, looking at numbers and stuff, uh, you know, it, it could be anything. It's basically moneyball for, for sales. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I want to talk about that. I mean, because, uh, you know, obviously we're in the software business. So we're yep. constantly looking to do the same thing, which is to drive sales, drive sales. And I mean, honestly, too, with these days, with it, going back to see even the hospitality side, now you have all these companies that are you, they have like access to these online ordering platforms like DoorDash here in the States or Uber Eats or whatever. They're kind of, you know, it's changing re restaurants and hospitality from a, hey, I was driving into a strip center or into this area and I happened to see a restaurant too. How do I capture and how do I promote myself through these portals or how do I promote myself online? Because so many of those decisions, not, it used to be the decision was I'm going to make a reservation to go somewhere. But now the decision is I'm going to have something delivered to my house. How do I get in front of those people from a sales and marketing perspective so I get them to buy my food that's going to be delivered? So I think what you guys are doing, like you said, it could be anything. Well, let's talk about the data lake and some of that stuff, because that's going to translate a lot to some of these restaurant chains trying to capture sales through the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting just because, you know, data, they say is, you know, the new gold um, or, you know, data is power. Um, and I mean, when I, I remember hearing that a while back, you know, before when Google and Facebook were, you know, really getting heavy on data, I was just like, wow, you know, what does this all mean? But once we started putting this data lake together and basically a data lake is, where we've gone and taken information from say Google AdWords, from Facebook, from our CRM, from our logistic system, from our accounting system, and kind of connected it all within a, within a very large database or kind of data lake. And then we have 
basically Power BI, or, but you can use any business intelligence um, you know, software to build reports for us so that we can find trends inside the data. Um, and you can also, you know, get, you know, you could, you can hire external consultants to help you kind of, you know, build the reports that you want. But, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, Tommy, when talking, you know, about restaurants, uh, and hospitality industry is just more of kind of the client lifetime value, which basically means is, you know, you pay to get that client in one time of how much value can you get out of them over a longer period of time? Um, because, you know, the biggest advice that I give to people is they're like, okay, I'm going to go and market online you know, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or any local ads or billboards or whatever. My question here is, is do you have a list of your past clients that came, that came through the door? Do you have a way to capture that information, whether that's email, SMS, you know, telephone numbers, because you're going to spend so much effort and also money going to get new clients. Whereas, you know, mining that old, the basically mining your client database for referrals, but also repeat business is the quickest and cheapest way basically for your business to get customers, um, you know, and it's, it's less effort in the business, it's less cost, which means that your profitability is going to be a lot higher as well. Um, you know, but I don't know why Tommy, and, and maybe you have some insight on this, but people typically have a tendency to go out and get new business and not take care of their old, their, their, their client, their past clients. Well, and you know, that's so interesting because, uh, you know, I feel the same way that you do about like, you know, you have these clients, what can you do to land and expand, right? How can I bring in like so much, how can I bring them back for other occasions, really? So whether it be another vacation to Costa Rica where I can get you to maybe a different part of the country, like if you were on the West Coast, which by the way, we were talking before, we were by Capos okay. uh, on the yeah. West Coast. Yeah. But yeah, how do I get them on the East Coast? How do I get them to do a jungle when last time they were on the beach, whatever it might be? It's the same for the restaurants, right? in the respect of uh, I'm capturing you for lunch, which I mean, a lot of lunch restaurants, depending if you were downtown or in the office park, they, those are the guys that are really hurting right now. But how do I get you in for dinner? How do I get you to pick up food on the way home or whatever it might be? And I, I think there's such a mentality about new is better, right? Like we're just, we're especially in America, new is better, new is better, new is better. But in the case of customers, old is better because like you said, they don't cost as much money. They already have an expectation of what your service is, what your product is. So I don't know why people focus on that. Or I guess maybe they just take for granted that people will keep coming back. So they just go, we gotta get new ones in because we know we're gonna get X amount of these old ones. I don't know. Well, I, I think I think Tommy as well, people just have a tendency to want new stuff, you know. Um, yeah. But I mean, going back to the data lake, I mean, if you have a, uh, point of sale system where you're able to you're able to tie in basically your clients' contact details with what they bought. Then you could actually kind of take a look at breaking down just even say a newsletter or something, and segmenting yeah. that based on what they were eating. Meaning, if you have people that you know are ordering gluten free, you know types of food, you could break that down and just. I mean, it could just be a quick email or newsletter. It doesn't need to be of an, a new addition to the menu or a special that's you know on at the moment. It could be something so simple um you know as that that can have a huge impact on your business but also is when you start look at what people are ordering as well meaning if you looked over a period of five years of the people ordering gluten-free or vegetarian or vegan you know etc is are you seeing a trend up in i don't know people that you know celiacs that want gluten-free food and a trend down in i don't know steak eaters i mean it really depends on what your business is but like i know it sounds that you're like oh damn i mean i'm running up 
I'm running a restaurant or I'm in hospitality here. How am I going to get this data? But I mean, again, it's, this is where I really think that the diamond is kind of within businesses is in this data. Um, and you can pull that information easy. I mean, it all goes into a database anyway. You just need someone to connect it all. So yeah. for a couple of thousand dollars, you can put all this together and, you know, you can start segmenting your, your lists, analyzing your clients and really taking a look at where the trends is on, on, on what's being ordered and eaten and, and who those people are as well. Well, I will say that I know that the companies that are providing the loyalty programs for the restaurant chains and also some of the POS systems are getting better at capturing some of that data because, you know, you're basically, when you, you have a loyalty card, they're associating a point value to your spend, but, but really what they're doing is they're getting your contact information and they're being able to tie your spend to your account. So I do think the bigger chains are getting this, but what's kind of cool about the restaurant industry right now is you know, as the POS systems get better and better and better, as technology gets better, you know, even mom and pops can get some of this data as well, which is exciting, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's, through their POSs if they're proactive. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because, again, I think that, you know, there's going to be a move towards more systems that give more data um, and, and, and I mean, really information, you know, uh, information that people yeah. can act on. Um, so... But, you know, Tommy, I mean, just going back, nothing beats great service, man. No, absolutely. And great salespeople who can close. Correct. But, I mean, because, I mean, if you can't close, uh, you know, we had some sales guys at our last company and, like, they never closed the deal. And it's spent so much money and time on these guys and it's brutal. But I do think, like, you can kind of see it, too, just like I ordered DoorDash for lunch and, uh and how to deliver it. And it's like, it's interesting to see what's cascading to the top and what are they, you know, when you think, it's like in a movie, right? Everything in a movie is there for a purpose. Like there's nothing accidental in a movie. Like if there's a, if there was a gun on the table, that gun was supposed to be there so you could see it out of the corner of your eye. It's the same on these websites. There's nothing there by accident. They are using very complex algorithms to try to figure out exactly what it is to show you so that they can convert these transactions. So it's interesting to kind of see. And once you think of it that way, it goes, oh, okay, that's cool. That like, why are they marketing this to me? What do they know about me, you know? Yeah. Cool. So that was our first question. How's it going? What were you going to say? I'm just going to say, Tommy, you know, I probably interviewed, I've lost count of, thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands, 15 to thousands of salespeople. Uh, Cause I personally like to uh, kind of, um, I like to interview them. Usually it's five, 10 minutes. I can tell whether they're going to work or not, but I just kind of wanted to give a tidbit out to your, your, your podcasters there. Cause we were just talking about hiring salespeople is I've typically found, we always do Myers Briggs tests. Um, and I'm not too sure again, down here in Costa Rica, there's not the restrictions that we have on personality tests. I don't know how it works in the States, but um, Myers Briggs, we always do it. And we typically, try to hire consoles, executives, and protagonists when, when hiring salespeople. Um, we found that over the lifetime of our business, and again, we've probably, I've hired maybe 1,000 to 1,500 salespeople. I've interviewed, again, probably 15,000, 20,000 people during my time. Um, that those three um, kind of Myers-Briggs are typically... Our top salespeople are typically consoles, to be honest with you. Consoles are executives, but the protagonists are usually steady uh, and strong. Um, but if we are unsure on someone, we take a look at their Myers-Briggs tests, and then we'll decide on that. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Oh, I like that. I, I, I actually took those notes down. 
<laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to do that here in the States or not, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. It's just, you know, it, it's, I was just like, that's the one thing I, I, I've done some consulting for other businesses before that looking for salespeople. And I'm like, look, here it is. And they're like, wow, I just never knew that, you know, and, and uh, it's, you know, and I always like to figure out is, you know, with people is what's the toughest thing that you've been able to get over in your life as well. Um, the reason being is because you're going to need a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of no's. You're going to need a lot of basically, you're going to have to be a tenacious person in order to work in sales. You know, you'd have to keep going and going. I mean, when, when, a, when someone gives you an objection, you know, they're basically giving you an excuse to sell them because they have that objection. If they didn't, they'd ignore you and not respond. But when someone says, yeah, I don't want to buy because of X, Y, and Z, they're giving you, it's not that they're going, hey, dude, you know, I don't want to buy. They're going, I want to buy, but this is the reason why I don't, at the moment, what's stopping me, the barrier, can you help me get through it? You know, so. Sure. But yeah, I'm full of use. Real cool. Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, how much does a typical vacation that you guys are selling cost? Just like, an, is there an average or are they also yeah. custom? And no, no, no. no. So people are so wealthy. I mean, we, again, we deal with a bunch of different stuff. I would say, you know, our cheapest vacation that we're dealing with without international airfare for two people is around about two and a half, three thousand dollars but we go all the way up to, you know, 20, 30, 40, $50,000. But I, I'd say our average is around about six and a half thousand dollars. Well, okay, cool. So, okay. The question number two, what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Well, I mean, you know, we've got two different things. I've got two different things, which are uh, kind of um, go hand in hand with this. I mean, it, it, it's a bit of a, uh, a bit different than what we're actually working on in the travel business, but I'm actually starting a real estate fund here in Costa Rica. Um, not many people know that, Tommy. So you're one of the very few people. You're the first person I think I've publicly said it to. Um, oh, cool. You know, the reason being is we have a lot of wealthy clients that come down. You know, the US is on fire, real estate, gold, Bitcoin, this market. People are looking for places basically to store wealth. Costa Rica is a great place to do that just because, I mean, as we were talking before, Tommy, is it's a very secure location. You don't need to worry about anything. There's a lot of tourists that come down here. So it's a great place to kind of do what I like to call a lifestyle investment where you can make an investment in a property down here, but you can also kind of use it. You can rent it as well. Um, but what we're looking to do in the business is I'm kind of create a walled garden where I'm looking for properties that we would rent or that where there are gaps in the market based on our data. You know, everything goes back to data there, Tommy. Uh, so that this fund can actually go out and buy those properties and then we will actually rent them through the business as well as using other means to kind of rent them to give returns back to uh, basically to, to, to the investors uh, while also giving our clients great experiences that we can control because I'm finding Tommy is that what people are looking for is vacation rentals, but with hotel amenities and experiences, meaning the concierge breakfast, this kind of stuff. Um, so it's, you know, we're seeing quite a bit of a change in the market there. We saw it before, but it's just being, I think everything's being sped up at the moment. You know, it's interesting. When we went to Costa Rica as a family, we rented a house, but it was so cool is that we had, uh, we got chefs for like a hundred bucks. They went into town, they bought groceries and they came out and then they cooked us dinner a couple of nights because we weren't at like a hotel. And it was like, so, I mean, a hundred bucks for six people at a nice restaurant. That was a, that was a deal. You know what yeah. I mean? And to have a guy come to your house and it was so it was so cool. So that I, I love that. As a matter of fact, we'll talk offline. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in touch with somebody who might be able, uh, who might be interested in, and you might have a nice conversation with those guys. So remind me to do that when we get done. Um, okay, that's really cool. So you're basically just to sum that up, your big initiative right now is you're putting together this sort of real estate fund where you guys are gonna go look at the 
inventory of the vacation homes that people are trying that like they like to rent you're going to go find those properties in costa rica and then try to buy them and then rent them out but then also provide sort of that value to the guy who invested in there that they can come down and use it as well yeah i mean it's you know it's a complete integration you know from the marketing to the client to selling them on the vacation to really controlling the experience that they have and our goal then is to as i you know i mentioned beforehand is to increase that client lifetime value by giving them a unique experience that, you know, again, we've been in this industry 20 years, so we know what a great experience is for a client. And it's very difficult to get that experience sometimes in property managed vacation rentals. Not impossible, it's just there are very few places that we've been able to find here in Costa Rica. Um, so, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, really charging ahead with that fund. Also, Tommy, you know, just an, the, the other one is, you know, we built a, a, a villa in 2007. We actually built an eight room. I don't even know how many square feet it is. Maybe like 15,000 square feet villa with a pool. Uh, I mean, it's, it's big, dude. Uh, with an ocean view, you know, it's 25 minutes from the Liberia airport. So we, it was a villa. We turned it into a hotel, to a boutique hotel, an adults-only boutique hotel, so that, you know, it was a lot of honeymoons, anniversaries, this kind of stuff would come down because we saw that trend in the, in, in the market there. Because of COVID, you know, uh, we basically was decided to now revert it back to a vacation rental because that's where the demand is going. But we've actually, we're actually looking to exit that business. So part of my job at the moment is basically getting, you know, uh, an eight room, yeah, I mean, an eight room villa, which has its own spa sold, um, you know, and some people are like, how much is it? And I'm like, well, it's 2.3 million, but it comes with, I mean, how many, it's like nearly three hectares of land so that anybody that wants to develop it can. Um, but I had someone ask me the other day, is that it? And I was like, you think I should increase the price? Uh, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the another in initiative I'm working on. So they're the two things, both in real estate, actually. Well, and you know, you, you bring up something interesting. So we're big travelers. We travel all over the world. And, uh, you know, one of the things is that everything's been really sucky since COVID. And I feel bad for the hotels and, and the resorts and stuff. And, and because, you know, it, you know, we did go to Mexico and that was wonderful, but we've been to a couple of other places and it, every, COVID is ruining everything. But the, one of the best trips we did was we did, we went to a house in Siesta Key, Florida with the whole family. And it was nice because you were contained. And so going back to that sort of VRBO versus hotel type of scenario or the, the house, versus the hotel, you're not having to worry about uh, uh, the excess exposure when you're staying at a home. And also because it's just one group of people that came together, you can use all the amenities. So you can get in the pool and you can go into the steam room. You know, whereas like, if you're at a hotel, they're gonna shut all that stuff down. Literally last weekend, we had to make reservations to go to the pool for one hour at like six o'clock in the evening on Sunday night uh, up in the mountains, it was seven degrees outside. You know, and it's like, okay, well, we're gonna do it because we made the reservation, but yeah, so I can see we're moving it away from that boutique hotel back to a residence or singular rental makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, th I think I think you know this pandemic or whatever you call it crisis has just sped up a lot of things that were happening beforehand. I mean, there was a gradual move there, but this has just really sped it up. Yeah, and also it, it thin, you know, it thinned out the unfortunate. I mean, I hate to say it this yeah. way, but it thinned out the herd a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you weren't capitalized well and your business wasn't doing well this just accelerated the issues you were having and, and you know, hopefully got yeah. you out so you lost less money. 
Yeah, I mean, we, way, but. we saw it in 08 and 09, Tommy. I mean, we have a playbook that we had from 08, 09. Um, you know, and we also saw it a little bit in Zika down here. And we just pull out that playbook and, and do exactly the same. So when everybody's running in the other direction, kind of in the fetal position, um, you know, we're hiring and spending on, 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 on marketing. I mean, you know, pre-COVID, we were spending about $2 million a year with Google, just with Google. Um, our advertising budget was around about 2.8 million. You know, this year, I think we'll probably be close to about 1.7 million uh, this year. So, I mean, we're, 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 we're being very aggressive. I know we're one of very few companies here, but you know, I go, what other choice we got? We're a sales and marketing company. It's what we do. So let's do it. Absolutely. You know, um, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? Testing and entry requirements, Tommy. Um, so, I mean, to leave the US, like for instance, this, to enter Costa Rica, you don't need any, you don't need any testing. So you could get on a plane tomorrow, Tommy, you could fly to Costa Rica. All you'd need is insurance to basically cover that if you got sick, if you got, if you caught COVID here, that you could go into the hospital and that the insurance would cover your costs. The reason being is the government doesn't want to cover that cost of every single tourist coming through because they don't have any money, like most governments. Um, sure. So they, but to go back to the US, you know, you, not, you need to take a PCR test or one of these antigen tests, kind of these quick tests. It's advancing, but like we don't have digital passports yet. You know, it's still very clumsy. It's, you know, I mean, Costa Rica is great because it's a beautiful country where things don't always work the way that you want them to. Like it's chilled, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> very, it's very natural. But when it comes to doing business, there's a downside to that as well, that everything's like, yeah, it'll happen tomorrow. It's a little disorganized, but, you know, and thank God it's getting better. But like when it comes to kind of, you know, all these requirements, the CDC changes something on their website. No one's really sure what it means, you know, this kind of stuff. So that's having a huge impact because anytime that we see any movement for entry requirements into the US or by the CDC, then it ha we, we can see the impact instantly on our website or even cancellations, you know. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but we went to Mexico after Christmas and you could come right back into the States and now they want you to take a test like three days before and all this stuff. And then the hotels will let you stay, but you'll be kind of quarantined if you get sick, it's a whole thing. And actually I think in the U S we think that our healthcare is amazingly good and that everybody else around the world is in like a hut with a parrot. And like, you know, there's like a guy just like a barber from the 1600s. It's like, ah, oh, well the chicken said that you should do this. And I don't think they, they recognize that other people are surviving too. You know? Yeah. I mean, Costa Rica has been, uh, I don't know whether it's been luck, but I mean, I think it's the, down to new, numerous. I mean, we have 300 cases a day at the moment. Our max was 1,200 cases. The population here is 6 million. Wow. Uh, you know, the death rate is very, very low. But I put it down to, I mean, we have sun here basically 365 days a year. It's warm. You know, it's in the yeah. 80s every single day here. People eat healthy. You know, everyone's not living on top of each other. But typically is they're very well-educated people here. So when the government says, hey, guys, put your face masks on and wash your hands, you know, everybody does it. And you'll see that when you come here. But it's not over the top. It's not restrictive. Like, there's never been a time, Tommy, where I could not leave my house here because the Constitution here states that you have to have that freedom of movement. You know, I suppose similar to the states. Right. But, you know, but we there, there was restrictions on vehicles, but I could still go out on my bicycle. I could still go walk. You know, I could still walk. So, you know, but... You know, I mean, a lot of people are asking me, hey, Richard, is it worth traveling to Costa Rica at the moment because of this testing and stuff? And I say, hell yeah, it's never been a better time. 
There's more wildlife out. It's more natural because we don't have as many tourists. The prices are spectacular. Okay, you've got to do a test before you go back, but it's it's quick. They turn up to the hotel, they shove something up your nose, and you're done. You know, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, think most, I, I think most people would take that for, you know, a week in the sun surrounded by the jungle and white-sanded beaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And, you know, the administration change didn't help any of that either because now you, there's different tax on all that stuff. But what, what are you going to do? Uh, what is the one thing? Uh, no, no. So you, are, you, you touched on COVID actually in that last question. I was going to say, what is the one thing that you thought your industry would be doing right now? It's the travel industry that it isn't. That kind of just like, why the hell aren't we doing this? Two, two things. Health passport, which I mentioned earlier, just having a general, but I believe that the IATA, the International Association of Travel Agents, is about to come out with a world travel passport of, hey, I've had a vaccine or I just had a test done. You can see it here on my health passport, just so that you can get on planes and enter countries. I mean, that's going to be the future. But I'm surprised we're, what, nearly a year into this and still nothing, you know. So, yeah, I would have thought that Google and Apple would have done that. And I had heard that they were going to do that at one point, but I don't know. I'm an iPhone guy, but like, you know, you have that Apple wallet, if you will, and they can put yep. those, like, those cards in there, yep. uh, you know, and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist either, but my big conspiracy was always, if you might, my COVID conspiracy was this had nothing to do with COVID. This had to do with the vaccine, you know, and that getting everybody vaccinated would be, you know, who knows. That was always my thing. So, but you know, I like you're not going to be able to travel without the vaccine unless you can't have it. So you basically either you're going to have to have the vaccine, or you're going to have to have a doctor's note that explains why you can't have the vaccine. And I've already seen that because I'm supposed to. We were supposed to go to France right when the like the 13th of March. We were right. supposed to fly to France, wow. and that week is when they shut down. And then we pushed that trip to last October thinking, oh, okay, well, it'll be done in three months. And now we've got to move to July and I'm hoping that everything will be open. But yeah, I'll have to get the vaccine before I go. I'm sure they won't let me in without it. So I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, I, I know that France is not exactly having a great time at the moment. You know, the UK is vaccinating like yeah. crazy, like you guys are in the States. France is way behind. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that Brexit happens, AstraZeneca, which is a British company and where, you know, these these yeah. uh, vaccines are made, you know, in the UK, so I think it was like 30% of the population yeah. now, now has the first jab, you know, the adult populations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the yeah, we're vaccinating like crazy in the States, but it, yeah. I mean, not for, like, I'm in my 40s. No one's calling me up to go, hey, get your vaccine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been tempted to go back to the UK at some point in the summer because I need to and get it then, but I'm in no rush to get it. I mean, I, I live in paradise, man. The sun shines here. It kills most things. So, um, you know, yeah. Um, but Absolutely. The, the, other one, the other one I wanted to add, Tommy, as well, kind of the other thing the industry really needs is, is it's going to be finance, access to finance. And that's a little bit more difficult down here in Central America. You know, in the US, I think your banks are a little bit more flexible. Um, but, you know, banks here are not really you know, giving lines of capital or helping out. I mean, a lot of the, the industry here, say, has loans with some banks here. Um, you know, and our capital rates here is, you know, we're paying interest rates of 7 8% here, which is insane, you know, compared to what you guys get in up there. Because I think what they do is they take it from the States and then just throw, you know, a couple of percent on for the banks to make money. But, you know, it, it, that's going to be the restrictive stuff here in the, uh, in the industry. Because I think that, you know, our typical high season is December all the way through to April. Now, our high season this year is probably going to be about 20 to 25% of what it typically is. 
And then we go into the quieter months. And I'm not too sure whether, you know, April, May, June, maybe we'll see a spurt in July and August. September and October is usually pretty quiet here in Costa Rica. You know, these are going to be the tough months for the industry here. And they're going to need finance. But the banks here aren't willing to lend unless the government gives some form of guarantee. But the government has no money to give a guarantee you know, down here. So it's a, it's a kind of a catch 22 situation. So we may see some people, you know, kind of tapping out down here in the, in the hospitality and even the restaurant industry here. Wow. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. I mean, we have, well, you know, I mean, everyone's complaining about the big banks right up here because, you know, you can't get them to give you a loan. That's why, that's why we still have these giant banks like Chase and U.S. Bank and Wells Fargo. But at the same time, most people are getting business loans from small banks. Now, the big thing that we're seeing up here now as well is, uh, you know, all these guys in small business realm, like, hey, we'll give you a couple hundred thousand dollars, but then you actually run the interest rates on it and you might as well be getting like, you might as well be going to a check cashing place. You know what I mean? It's so insanely high. Um, but yeah, I mean, but at least we have interest rates that are near zero right now, I think. For that yeah. Kind of stuff, so. Hey, it beats. Uh, I think that's interesting. Beat Sweden or Switzerland. I think Switzerland's negative rates at the moment. So uh, I don't think you guys will get there, but yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. knows? I don't know what's going to happen. The, uh, hey, so wrapping this up, uh, recount of the funniest or worst thing that's happened to you in your career. Just a funny story. Some goofball stories. Maybe the worst vacation anyone's ever had. I don't know. I don't want to have you do that, but like just, you know. I got tons of them. I mean, the first one that came to mind was this must be in probably 07, uh, me and my business partners, uh, we had an office in Panama and also um, my business partner had a real estate company down there because of course Panama was booming back then. We went down and basically Panama, I always told my wife, I had no kids back then, but I also told my wife it was always a business trip we're going to Panama, but really it was basically kind of, we'd go down and get very drunk and, and just act like idiots because it wasn't, you know, as people do. Uh, so we flew down there, got ridiculous ridiculously drunk. I mean, the reason we were going down there was actually to buy a condo because, you know, condos were cheap back there. I think they were about a hundred thousand dollars, um, you know, for a kind of like a two, three bedroom condo, maybe on the, you know, 15th floor, you know, and I mean, in the States, you're probably not buying, you know, a brand new, you know, apartment in a, in a tower, you know, on the 15th floor for a hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, we went down there again, got really drunk, bought a condo drunk, bought a condo drunk. We didn't know where it was. We never even saw it. We didn't, we didn't even want to go. We just said to the realtor because we trusted her, this is how much money we got. What would you buy? We bought the place. I never saw it. I never stepped inside it. Tommy, I have no idea where it was. No idea. They delivered the keys. We didn't even sign. Like we sold the condo like within two weeks of buying it. And uh, again, we basically made 50% uh, return on it of just literally putting our deposit down, which I think was $20,000 paying the other 80,000 um, when we, when we, when they delivered it and then sold it two weeks later for $150,000. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. So that told me, you know, anytime I do big deals, I should do them with alcohol. <laughs> that's great. Wow, man. That's very funny. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you did as well. Do you want to plug anything, your website or your company or any special yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, anyone that's looking to travel to Costa Rica, our website is vacationscostarica.com. Um, you can find us there or you can just jump into Google and type in Costa Rican. That's with an N at the end, vacations. Uh, the group is the NAMU Travel Group. We deal with everything from Belize all the way down to Colombia, custom design vacations. Um, but really, our main focus again here is Costa Rica. Um, and if anybody does get in contact, please make sure that they uh, were just say Richard. 
Richard Beckson. Uh, you heard, from, heard it from Richard Beckson, and uh, I'm sure that the guys will take great care of you. Well, thank you so much, Richard. And I will put your uh, websites in the show notes uh, so that people can just click on them and click through. And I want to thank you so much for your time. And thank you to our Order Up Show uh, podcast listeners. We have, uh, we have, we are going to be stepping up the episodes uh, coming out. So please, please, please uh, share it with your friends. And we will uh, see you all soon.